All right, it is Friday, February 3rd, and next to me over here, this side, this side, if you're watching, is Steve Greenfield, good friend of the family, and uh, we're talking about what's on dealers' minds this morning. And a few other things, and a few other things as natural. Steve, how are you this morning? You just you just got out of some wonderful uh, early breakfast, I heard, as you were jumping on the call. Early breakfast, and here I am in my car. So there you go. The sun's beating in. It's a good day in Georgia. I love it. Like last time we talked to you on the show, you were out at CES. Now you're in your car. I'm I'm waiting for you to show up and be on like a private jet one of these days, just like flying through the air. On. Give me a few years. Give me a few years. A few years. There you go. That works. That works. Um, all right. We're going to get into it. Uh, just a couple things. Uh, as by way of update, I'm really excited about this. We've talked about this a couple times, but... We are both going to be at the Reuters Automotive Retail event uh, coming up in the middle of May. Um, we've I've never been there. Paul's never been there. But Steve, have you been to this Reuters event in the past? I did. I, I, I moderated it last year, and I think they got me emceeing it this year as well. And um, yeah, good group of folks. Very very progressive. Dealers will be there. OEMs will be in the audience. For, for me, it's a, it's a nice mixture of you know getting the OEM pr- perspective. And putting them on the stage as well as getting a bunch of dealers. So it'll, it'll be a lot of fun. It's in Vegas and they, they put a really top notch show. Awesome. Yeah. I think it's probably kind of a new show for some people in, in our audience and in the, and in the dealer world. So um, yeah, catch up with us, Paul, myself, Steve, will all be there doing panels. You know, Steve's going to be emceeing the whole thing. We'll be running podcasts. So uh, I'm sure that'll be a whole bunch of fun. Uh, Steve, your recent uh, installment of Automotive Ventures monthly auto intel report is out. And a lot of it you just centered around this time the uh, the conversation that you got to have uh, with a few top dealers at NADA. I'd love to kind of like get your perspective on that conversation for the people that couldn't get in because there were only 800 out of the 30,000 people that were uh, at NADA this year that were able to be in that room. But it seemed like every one of those 800 people I at some point talked to and they were like, yo, that was, that was an amazing conversation. So, um, it seems like a lot of it centered around like single point of contact, EV future, uh, customer experience. Can you kind of give like a a little flyover of what that conversation was like and, and where it headed? Yeah, I, I really appreciate NADA for allowing me to get on stage with you know core, very, very, very forward-thinking dealers right at the beginning of NADA at, uh, on noon on Thursday. And we, we, yeah, we were packed, 800 dealers. They didn't let press in. They didn't let OEMs in the room. And they had to turn people away. There was an overflow room, w- way oversubscribed. So that, that was great. And then, you know, I, I did something that's dangerous. I put my cell phone number up on the slide and told people <laughs> to text me live questions. And I, I had 58 questions come in. Um, and it was great. We had an hour and three quarters and there were no holds barred. Every single question, anything you can imagine was discussed on stage that day. The dealers were incredible. And, uh, you know, reflecting back, flying back from Dallas, I was like, you know, I've got all these questions now. I think I'm just going to synthesize them and, and, and group them and present them to folks in the Intel report because, you know, I got that written this weekend out and you can get that for free. If you go to automotiveventures.com, you can download that for free. But it's very interesting. I, I think it does. It's, it's it's interesting if you're a dealer, definitely if you're an OEM, and if you're a vendor selling into dealers, you, you got to like just spend some time just absorbing these questions because this is sort of top of mind questions. Fifty eight different folks that were in that audience that day. Yeah, and we covered other topics on stage, but it's a it's a it's amazing 
mainly I, I think it's very powerful to get like what what's really uh, our dealers obsessing about right now in terms of questions about the industry and how things are changing. Yeah, I think it's key that it wasn't just you, uh, you know, sitting in a corner one day going, here's 58 questions I'm going to ask. It was real live questions that people are asking. And, you know, obviously some of them are tuned to the people that were on the stage. But I think like I'm reading through them going this would take me a month of executive uh, kind of conversations within, but imagine taking, I, I'm just thinking if you took your profit centers in the store and started to align them around meetings around each of those different sections, right? There was stuff about service. There was stuff about HR. There was stuff about EVs and sales and, and single point of contact. So if you were to take those and kind of make them topics of meetings, I think that that would be a really prudent place to start, right? Um, even for, yeah, like you said, industry partners to go, what's my, like, what part do I play on this? And how do we respond to answering the challenges that maybe dealers are having right now? Yeah, at the, at the, at the very base, I mean, it makes you smarter. It makes you understand <laughs> how to have conversations with dealers right now based on the things they're obsessing about. But to your point, if you can solve some of these things, come back to them and say, I've got a solution for some of these challenges that are facing the industry, all the better. But, you know, any, anyone who's interfacing with a dealer right now should be thinking about these questions because these are the things that are top of mind on dealers' heads right now. Yeah. I feel like every single month you, you're you announcing something fun and new. We've we've talked about the Dealer Fund and the Automotive Ventures Investment Club. And now uh, you're a part of uh, this partnership uh, on the Auto Market Insights uh, side of things. And you introduce uh, Pete Batten in the Auto Intel Report. Can you give us just like the 30-second the highline overview of, of where those, what those insights and what that, that crew is doing that's maybe different from what Automotive Ventures and, and, and what you are typically um, seen as right now. Sure. Yeah, that's great. Great, great question. So, um, yeah, we, we, we had Pete, uh, Pete do a, an op-ed piece to kind of introduce this and introduce us at NADA. You know, we've got um, we've got a healthy consulting business, so um, we don't really broadcast that at all, but we, we we do a bunch of consulting work, typically for auto tech companies, some for dealers, but mostly auto tech companies over the course of the year. Strategy consultant, product market, you know, these, these fit. Um, competitive intelligence, we help out with acquisitions and tar targets for acquisitions and things, and really just trying to ramp that up at this point. Yeah. We've got some really great guys who are coming on as partners. All of us are, are, are ex-Cox people, so don't hold that against us. <laughs> But um, that's how we've met and we've known each other for, for a long time and have a good working relationship. But I, I think that the, the idea is now to take some of the consulting work we've done and productize some of it, right? We've got all this great intelligence and data out there. People are craving more insights and, and, and you'll see sort of an evol evolution now. We'll still offer consulting services, absolutely, but we'll also start to productize some of the stuff and offer recurring uh, uh, re reports to people based on uh, industry insights and data that we, we, we believe people need in the industry. That's awesome. Well, speaking of industry insights and data, Segway. this one is close to your heart because uh, Recurrent, a, uh, a portfolio company of yours, has recently announced just uh, during NADA week, announced their partnership with Experian to bring their reports into the Experian ecosystem alongside the AutoCheck offering. Uh, I'd love to get just like, you probably have a little bit of behind the scenes on on how that partnership was struck and, and how like that might enable dealers to kind of come quicker to this, uh, this customer communication of, you know, battery capacity and, and their, like the EV side of vehicle reporting. Yeah, it's great. This is like a marriage made in heaven from a business development standpoint. Right. You know, we're current with the 17 companies we've invested in. 
we're really excited. Great CEO, great company. Um, you know, and the need that they're addressing is on, on a used EV today, whether you're buying it at the auction or trying to buy it as a consumer, there, there's no used EV report. So the, the Carfaxes and auto checks of the world do not have that up until now. And, you know, you, you don't have any idea how many fast cycles that battery has been charged and if it's been charged in cold weather. And, you know, uh, uh, it used to be that, uh, you know, mileage of the vehicle was highly correlated with how hard the car had been uh, been been um, exercised right. and the, the, the remaining condition. And, and really now that, 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 that's not the case. You can have a low mileage EV that's been charged quickly over its entire life in cold weather. And the battery could be in a lot worse shape than one would expect. And the converse is true. You could have a high mileage EV that was babied on trickle charge every night in someone's garage and they can have a great remaining battery life. So that's really what Recurrent's doing is scoring an EV from a remaining life and giving confidence to the buyer, whether it's in the wholesale auction lanes on a trade-in for a dealer or to a consumer and representing that to the consumer. And the, the auto check integration is perfect, right? So auto check yep. didn't have a way to represent the remaining life of an EV. They're, they're, they're now porting in the recurrent report embedded within the auto check report. And I, I think it's, it's a true win-win for both sides. And hopefully we'll you know, give additional tailwinds to recurrent who we, become, we hope becomes that de facto condition report for EVs in the industry. Yeah, I think it's a big deal because everybody's asking that question, like, how is my battery going to do over time? And and so, and I think it's important when you're thinking about the dealership, even appraising these vehicles, it's not just a consumer report side of thing. It's, you know, so many dealers use AutoCheck and Carfax to do things like vehicle appraisals and understand what that vehicle has been through, both from accident history or mileage or, um, you know, time of the data of in service. And so this just adds a layer to the ability to appraise a vehicle appropriately. Um, speaking of appraising of vehicles appropriately, we're just rolling, man. These were, these were easy. These rocked, rocked straight through. So you shared an article just a couple of days ago. That's uh, kind of made its way around the interwebs where insurance companies are increasingly deciding to write off low mileage Teslas because they are too expensive to fix. According to a new report from Reuters. Um, so the report basically showed that of the 120 uh, model wise listed on a salvage auction listing, the majority of them had less than 10,000 miles on them. Um, and, and seeing like, Essentially, what's happening is these sixty-one thousand dollar twenty twenty-two Model Y long-range EVs, even just in a front-end collision, sometimes the the cost to repair is up to fifty thousand dollars if they would have uh, approved the repair. And so we're seeing these EV vehicles head to salvage yards as opposed to insurance companies deciding to uh, to deciding to fix them. What do you see as the impact there of like this? this this push of the the insurance companies to move these vehicles out of the ecosystem instead of repairing them yeah so lots of implications i mean it's a great article and if you haven't looked at it every, everyone should to think about this right so these cars even in a minor accident to your point could damage the battery cells and there's no way to open these battery cells up and replace into individual cells so you have to replace the entire battery and um, the, the, the threshold, you know, we, we hear these reports that 40, 50, 60 percent of an EV's cost is in the battery cell itself. Right. So, um, you know, I think it's going to be easier for these insurance companies just to write the entire thing off, even if just one cell has been has been damaged. Wow. Otherwise, this Tesla could look perfect and big implications for 
what, what people are going to have to pay for insurance premiums. Because if that's the case, and we start to see more and more of these write-offs for these EVs, then any, anyone who buys an EV is going to have a, be paying a higher insurance premium as a result. The, the other thing is, you know, if we start scrapping the entire EVs, these salvage yards don't yet know what they're going to be able to do. And we, we do not want these EVs ending up in landfill. Piling up we, we with batteries, batteries that when they're heated up, don't do well. <laughs> right. <laughs> if you remember, you know, tw- 20 years ago, all the tire fires, right? Yeah. With these places where you had tires. I mean, ima- imagine a junkyard full of EVs. If one of them catches fire, they're all going to catch fire. They're it could gone. be very, very dangerous. They'd be, they'd be leaking, you know, these minerals into the into the, the groundwater. We, we, we need to also think about the circular economy because if we start scrapping these things because of this this, this, uh, this total loss threshold, we got to figure out what we're going to do with these EVs at end of life. And there's a lot of companies innovating in that space, building sure. either marketplaces and or recycling, ripping apart and recycling the batteries. But we're going to have to get ahead of that as well. Well, hey, look, if we didn't give you enough to think about on a Friday, dealer questions, insurance companies totaling Teslas, and uh, shoot, great insights and data that you got to get your head around. Hey, let's go. 